Amen. Well, isn't he good? He is so good, and he's never, ever, ever going to let us down. Cornerstone, it's so good to be with you this morning. Uh, we are one month into the new year, one month into 2021. And last year, or last week, uh, Christian kicked off our spring series, and now we're one week into our new series. Our new series is called Walking as Jesus Walked. Uh, we're, we're focusing on the life of Christ for the next 70 days, taking us right up to Easter. And the main question that we will be asking each week is this, how do we walk the way that Jesus walked based on 1 John 2, 6, where John says, whoever says he abides in him, in Jesus, ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Well, we as a church have started reading the same passages from the Gospels each week. If you haven't gotten that reading plan, please go to our website and you can download the, the schedule of readings for, for every day for the next 70 days. Um, and then each Sunday, uh, starting today, uh, whoever is preaching will take something from the previous week's reading and expand on it in a personal way. Uh, that, that the person who's preaching today, of course it's me, will unpack a particular text and show you how it's, that text has influenced me and so that we can creatively learn together how this particular text teaches us to walk like Jesus. So, so this past week we read John 9 and 10 and most of chapter 11. And as I read through those three chapters several times, I, I was looking for the passage that the Holy Spirit would, would have me unpack this morning. And I could hardly get past the first few verses of chapter 9. I read all three chapters several times, but it's like I knew this is where I was going to settle. The story of Jesus healing this blind man has so shaped how I think about life and how I think about hardships and, and how I think about trials and, and disabilities and even about successes and, and victories and good times. This passage has shaped how I view all that happens in life, everything. Now, like all of us, I'm sure, Don and I have had our share of disappointments and hurts and hardships over the years. And it would be so easy to think, man, Lord, what did I do wrong? I mean, why, why are you bringing this into my life here and now? In fact, there was a, there was a season of, of hard times in the past several years. Um, there was a season of a very, very difficult hard time. And we were truly, you know, we talk about being between a rock and a hard place. We were. We, we, we really had no options. The status quo was not possible to maintain, but there was no place to go. And it, it went on for several months and even into years. And, and I, I remember I got to the point where I actually prayed, Lord, I've served you my whole life. I've been faithful. I've, I've worked hard for you, at least as, as faithful as I, I think I can be. And this is what you do? This is what you're doing to us? I mean, this isn't even, this isn't even fair. Did I, did I really do something wrong, Lord? No, no, I didn't stay there. Don't worry. Um, but man, it was a hard few years. And I, and I just questioned God, and I questioned what he was doing. But these, verse, these first few verses of, of John chapter 9 
were back then and still are a huge help in, in gaining perspective through, through these hard times. And I've used them to help others if, as they have faced hard times in their lives. The thing that I have seen in this text over and over and over is that trials and hardships and difficulties in life are, are not because I did something wrong. Those things are, are not God punishing me or, or whapping me upside the head. Those hardships are so that I might display the works of God and display him well. Everything in life, everything in life, all that happens to us, all that, all that we do and, and all that, that comes at us from outside, everything in life is so that we can display the works of God in our life. Now, the whole chapter of, of John 9 is about this blind man. And we read that this past Monday uh, in, our, in our reading. But I just want to read the first seven verses. And then let's unpack this story to see how uh, we should be walking as Jesus walked. So if you're in your Bibles following along, John 9, 1. And as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. This is Jesus. Jesus is passing by. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. If you are a person who writes and underlines in your Bible, underline that verse, underline verse three. For the next 20, 25 minutes, you're going to be hearing this over and over and over again. The works that, this man didn't sin, but it was so that the works of God could be displayed in him. Verse four, let's continue. Jesus says, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud, and he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Now in the previous chapter, in John chapter 8, uh, we read that Jesus has just escaped an attempt on his life. Uh, he and the Pharisees were going at it, and in the midst of that intense discussion, Jesus declared himself to be God when he stated these words, before Abraham was, I am. And when he said, I am, he was declaring himself to be deity, to be God himself. That was it. The Pharisees were done. They picked up stones to stone him and kill him because he was, he was claiming absolute deity. But Jesus escaped their attempt to kill him. And then chapter nine opens with the words, as he passed by, he saw a blind man. I mean, he was almost stoned to death. And as he's escaping, seemingly, he sees a blind man. There, there were blind people, there were cripples, there were beggars all over the place. But why this one? Why did he see this one? Well, John tells us that this particular blind man had been born blind. He had never seen a thing in his life, never. Can you imagine? And Jesus 
sees this man. He stops. The disciples stop. I'm sure the blind man sensed their presence there, but, but he doesn't say anything. But the disciples ask a question. They're the first ones to jump in here. And they asked a very interesting question with a lot of assumptions behind it. They asked Jesus, who was it that sinned so badly, so terribly, that this man was born blind? Was, was it his parents or was it him? Now, can you imagine the man sitting there going, hey, I, I'm right here. I, I'm not deaf. I can hear you. The disciples, though, they wanted to discuss a theological issue. And so they asked him, who sinned that he was born blind? And it's interesting. Think about, think about what they asked. This man was born blind, and they're asking if he was the one who sinned that caused the blindness. Now, there were some views in that day that a person could actually commit acts of sin while they were still in the womb. And there were also views that, uh, that had the idea of reincarnation and that possibly this guy was a really bad sinner in his previous life, and so thus he was born blind in this life. Regardless of all that, Jesus is going to correct all of their erroneous theology. Now, let's stop for a minute. We need to understand the background to the disciples' question here. Uh, their question reflected a very common ancient worldview that actually still impacts how we think today in 2021. So it's not that ancient. But the worldview says that the righteous will prosper and the wicked will suffer. The righteous, those who live well and live right, will prosper, and those who are evil, those who are wicked, will suffer. And if you flip that, if you are prospering, then you must be righteous. And if you are suffering, then you must be wicked. That was a very common worldview, and it's what the disciples were, were, were thinking of when they asked this question, who sinned that he was born blind? Somebody must have sinned because this terrible thing happened to him. Now, it's the same worldview that, that Job's friends assumed um, whenever they were uh, harassing him about his seemingly sin. Uh, you remember all the suffering that Job went through. He, he, all of his children were killed and all of his livestock were destroyed and, and even his health was wrecked. He went through incredible suffering and, and so, so all of Job's friends believed that if a person is suffering this much like Job is, there must be some terrible sin in their life. And so they kept they kept harassing him. What's the sin? What's the sin? And, and Job responds, I, I, there is no sin. I, I live a righteous life. Now the reality is, in 2021, right here today, January 31st, we still battle the same erroneous theology. Someone loses their job, and they get covid and they crash their car on the freeway, and their air conditioning breaks down in the middle of a heat wave. We can't help thinking, man, God must be punishing them for something. Or, or all too often we think that about ourselves. What did I do wrong that all these bad things are happening to me? It, it's what I felt when, when we were going through this particular hard time. Like, did I do something wrong? Is, what, what's God doing? 
And I'm sure that many of you or, or a lot of you have thought the same thing at different times in your life. Man, what did I do wrong? Nothing is going right. I lost my job. I got cancer. I can't find a man to marry or I can't find a woman to marry my spouse or my, or my child is, is sick and, or, or they, they died way too soon. And it's easy to think, I must have done something wrong. This is the worldview. This is the thinking that motivated the disciples to ask this question. Jesus, who sinned? This man or his parents, that this horrible thing has happened to him. But Jesus is going to correct them. He's going to correct them with such a powerful truth that we all need to hear. We need to hear this truth. If we're going to walk like Jesus walked, and that's what this whole series is all about, walking and living our life the way Jesus walked and, and the way Jesus lived his life, then, then we need to understand that this truth, this truth has been huge in my life as, as I have sought to live like Jesus. And even studying for this sermon and, and going over this text again, it's reinforced this truth afresh and, and it's clarified in my mind uh, this truth again in, in new, fresh ways. And here it is. In verse 3, Jesus says it was not that this man sinned. It was not that his parents sinned. But he was born blind so that the works of God might be displayed in him. This man's lifetime, and we don't know how old he was, but he was of age, he was called a man. His, his lifetime of blindness was so that the works of God could be displayed in him on this Sabbath day in the first century when Jesus healed him. And he went and he told all those that he could that I have been, I was blind, but now I see. Your suffering, my suffering, your success, my success, things that happen to us in life, those things happen so that the works of God might be displayed in us. Or, or we could say it this way. Those things happen to us so that we might display God to the world and display him well. Now we'll come back to that in a minute. But let me finish the story here. Jesus heals the man in a very, very weird way. He used his spit to make mud. He puts the spit on his eyes and he tells him to go wash off in the pool of Siloam, a, a pool inside the walls of Jerusalem. Now, can you imagine this blind man react, reacting like, oh, Jesus, gross, seriously, spit and mud? Come on, I'm not doing that. If that would have been his reaction, he would have died in his blindness. He would have never known salvation. He would have never seen the world and all the colors and all the, the images and the textures. He would have never known the light of the world, Jesus, the light of the world. But verse seven is so great. He went and he washed, and he came back seeing. But why spit and mud? Oh, I did some research on this. I thought, there's got to be some reasons here. And scholars have offered a lot of answers, but none of them really work. So maybe the best answer to this is that Jesus can do whatever he wants, any way he wants. And our task is to obey him. 
Our task is to obey what he asks us to do, no matter how random or no matter how arbitrary it might seem. And regardless of what God sees fit to do in and with our lives, we are to display the works of God well. And that's exactly what this man did. He obeyed Jesus, he believed, and he became a true follower of Jesus. He clearly displayed the works of God in his life. Well, his friends and his neighbors were blown away. In fact, they weren't even sure if it was the same man. Uh, they, took, they took this man to the Pharisees, and the Pharisees were befuddled, and they asked him a lot of questions, and they were getting upset because he said that this prophet, Jesus, whom the Pharisees didn't like, was the one who did it. And so they called in his parents, and they said, is this really your son? And they said, yep, that's really our son. But we, the parents, we have no idea how he got his sight back. So you ask him, because the parents were afraid of the Pharisees. They didn't want to claim that Jesus did it because the Pharisees didn't like Jesus or anyone who followed Jesus. So the Pharisees asked the man a second time, who did this? Because, because this man Jesus you're talking about, he's just a plain old sinner. Couldn't have been him. And I love how he responds to the Pharisees in verse 25. He says, I have no idea if he is a sinner or not. The only thing I know is that I was blind and now I can see. Oh, that's so good. The works of God have been displayed in his life. All I know is I was blind, now I see. But the Pharisees threw him out of the temple anyway. And then at the end of chapter nine, Jesus shows back up and he asks the man, do you believe in the son of man? In other words, do you believe in the Messiah? Do you believe in me? Do you believe in the Son of God? And the man looks at Jesus with new eyes, and he said, who is he? And Jesus says, you have seen him. It is me. It is the one you're looking at right now with this newfound eyesight that I have just given you. And in verse 38, he says, Lord, I believe. And John writes that he worshiped him. This, this man believed and he worshiped. Faith, trust, belief, worship. This man spent his whole life up to this point as a blind man. Blind little boy, blind baby, blind boy, blind teenager, blind man. Never saw anything. Not because he was a terrible sinner. Not because he committed some, some sin in the womb. Not because his parents were awful sinners. Not to punish him. But so that Jesus could walk by on this Sabbath day and restore his sight and display the mighty works of God. So that this man would not only receive his physical sight, but he would he would receive his spiritual sight. And he would see Jesus and know Jesus and believe Jesus. Again, verse three, it was not that this man sinned, Jesus said, or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Jesus is correcting the disciples' wrong theology here. And this text corrects our wrong theology. 
That's why I love this passage so much. That's why, that's why over the years it's meant so much to me. And I've, I've, I've learned from it, gained from it. Even this last week as I've, as I've studied it, I, I gained some new level of insight and understanding and, uh, of how this all works and how it looks. Jesus is giving an explanation for why stuff happens to us. Good stuff and bad stuff. Success and failure. Things happen to us in life so that we can display Jesus well. On one hand, it's that simple. There is a definite God-given purpose to every chapter in our life. All of the suffering that Job endured had a purpose. And at least part of the purpose in his life is that for thousands of years, people have been reading his story and, and been encouraged by it. Now, let me say this. That does not mean that the bad things that happen to us are good. Cancer is not good. Death is not good. COVID is not good. Loss and disappointment are not good. Being born blind is not good. In Job's case, having all of his children killed is not good. And these things are, are not because we did something wrong or are being punished. But how we respond to those things, how we live through them, how we handle them, are so that we can display the works of the Father. And if we display Jesus well in and through those things, then, then we are walking as Jesus walked. Because Jesus displayed his Father very well. He did his Father's will perfectly. Even when his Father's will for him included incredible suffering and loss, and, and Jesus was treated unfairly and unjustly, and he was totally misunderstood and totally misrepresented, and, and ultimately Jesus was executed in the most shameful way possible as a common criminal on the cross. And that was his Father's will for him. And I can assure you that none of those bad things happened to Jesus because he was being punished for sin or because he did something wrong, because he never sinned and he never did anything wrong. It was so that Jesus could display the works of his father. And in so doing, because he was obedient to that, he conquered death. And he conquered the corruption of sin so that the entire universe can someday be restored to wholeness. And that includes you and me and this blind man's eyes. Look at verses four and five of our text in John chapter nine. And Jesus states that verse four, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day, night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world, Jesus says. Interesting. He says that he is the light of the world as long as he is in the world. So is he no longer the light? Well, yes, of course he's still the light. There is no other light besides Jesus. He is the only light. But his point in this text is, is that as long as he walked on earth as a, as a man, he brought light to darkness. He brought sight to the blind. By displaying the works of his father, he was he was the light of the world. But he's back in heaven now. 
So, so follow this. That means that now we are the light of the world by reflecting him and his works. Verse 4, we must work the works of him. Not just I, but we, all of us. Over in Matthew 5, Jesus tells us, and he's speaking to us, he says, you are the light of the world. Verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. By reflecting his work and his light and his glory, by displaying him well, we are now the light of the world. Walking as Jesus walked, living as Jesus lived, means we do what he did. We display the works of the Father well, no matter what life throws at us, and thus we are the light of the world, and we shine and ref reflect Jesus to those around us. Well, what does it mean to display Jesus well? I keep saying that. that uh, John says it in the text here. Um, what's, what's, the, what's it mean to display Jesus well? Well, this word display means to make something evident or to show it. Or it even means to make something visible that is or was invisible. So, so when we display Jesus, we let people see that we operate based on a different value system than the rest of the world. We show them, we display to them how Jesus lived, and we show them that God is real and he is personal, and he influences how I think and how I act and how I handle stress and how I handle wealth and how I handle grief and how I handle loss and how I handle suffering. What, is that, what does that look like? Displaying Jesus well means that I, I, I rest on his faithfulness instead of stressing and being anxious about a situation. It means that no matter what is going on in my life, I can have a restful spirit. I can have a calmness. I can have an acceptance, a graciousness. doesn't mean the things going on are good. It means that I can be calm in the midst of them. It means that you know, absolutely we grieve our losses and our hurts and our disappointments. We, we grieve that. But we don't grieve it as those who have no hope in a, in a loving, sovereign God, a loving, sovereign Father. It means that even when we are mistreated or, or judged unfairly or misrepresented, we don't lash out. We don't get bitter. We don't retaliate. We don't seek revenge. It, it means that we use our successes and we use our failures and we use our losses and we use our gains to serve others. We understand that whether we've had great loss or great gain, it comes to us so that we can display Jesus well in and through that. Now, as I said earlier, Dawn and I have had our share of hard times, of loss, of disappointment, just like every person listening to this sermon. Let me tell you a little story about some of the, some of the things in our lives. From the time I was a kid, I wanted to be a missionary pilot in Alaska. I wanted to fly around the remote areas and villages of Alaska for the sake of the gospel. That's the only college program I enrolled in. Uh, that's the only thing I pursued because that's all I wanted to do. Single-minded focus. 
But in my second year of college, I, I learned that I could not continue in the program. Massive disappointment, death of a dream. But God wasn't being mean to me. He was providing an opportunity to display him well. I remember so vividly coming back to my dorm room after, after learning that I couldn't continue. And I remember uh, turning the lights off and laying on my bed and saying, okay, Lord, now what? This is all I've ever wanted to do. It's all I ever planned to do. It's all I've ever uh, pointed towards. So now what I do? I remember laying there having this chat with God and I, I don't know, half an hour, 30 minutes went by. And I thought, okay, let's get on with it. I jumped up, I turned on the lights and, and, I, and I got on with it. I, I went and changed my major and uh, got on with it. And all that happened to me, that, that loss of life purpose, if you will, not because God was some cosmic killjoy, but so that I could display the works of God in my life, so I could display Jesus well, so I could respond to disappointment differently than maybe the world responds to disappointment. Well, I never became a pilot, but we still made it to Alaska. Uh, we were a pastor, young pastor and family, and, and I accepted that the pilot part didn't come true, but the Alaska part did. Until the day came that God made it abundantly clear that we were to leave Alaska. Again, death of a dream. Grief and loss of a life goal. Not because God was being mean, but so that we as a family might display the works of God, might, might display the, f the Father and his work in our life. And then after 18 years of ministry, I totally burned out. I hit the wall and crashed hard. I resigned the pastorate and pretty much lost my identity for a while. Those were very, very hard and dark years. Honestly, honestly, at first, I did not display Jesus well during that time. But gradually, we healed, and we ended up starting a ministry that encouraged and helped other weary pastors. I remember uh, one pastor's wife telling us that she and her husband were praying together, and they thanked God for our burnout, because it, it led us to start this ministry that was now blessing them. I trust that we were displaying the works of the Father well in that situation. In those life circumstances, uh, the goal was to display Jesus well, to, to, to show the world a different way of living. We have some good family friends. Um, They've been in our lives for many, many years. They love Jesus and they serve him well. But, but every year we get their Christmas card and their Christmas letter and we, we almost cringe to open it because what happened this year? Everything in their lives seems to go wrong. Their health is bad. They lost jobs. Their homes are foreclosed on. It's one thing after another. It just seems like their whole lives have been this, this whole set of, of horrible things that happen but they have a rock-solid faith in Jesus. They're putting him on display well in the midst of all of these hard times. They're not suffering and going through hard times because they're evil, because they're not. 
They go through all this stuff so that the works of Jesus might be displayed well in and through them. As I was meditating on this text and I was thinking about all this and thinking about this sermon, it struck me that Jesus needs people in every situation, every life stage, every possible life scenario, in, 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 in successful areas and in suffering areas and in, in grievous areas and in, in wonderful areas. He, he needs people in every life scenario so that he is displayed well in, in every possible facet. Every person's story is different. Every, every person's journey is unique. We must not try to be someone else or to live their life or to say, well, how come they get that and I don't get that or how come that's that? You know, that, that's not the point. God, God has designed my journey in my life. He's designed your journey in your life so that you can display him well through through those situations in your life. And I can display him well through the situations in my life. So that people can see how to walk as Jesus walked in all kinds of different settings. So that we can be the light of the world. So that we can be sight to the blind. So that they can say, wow, that's what it looks like to follow Jesus in the midst of whatever that situation is. Jesus needed a man who was blind for his whole life to display his works. He needed a burned out pastor and family to display him well. Jesus needs those that have great health and those that have poor health to display him well. He needs those with disabilities and those without maybe obvious disabilities to display him well. He needs those that are married to display him well. He needs those that are single to display him well. He needs widows to display him well. He needs couples with kids and couples without kids to display him well. He needs the old and the young to display him well. He needs those that are high energy go-getters and he needs those that move at a slower pace to display him well. He needs those that have to deal with a difficult spouse or a difficult child or a difficult parent to display him well. He needs those that have wealth and success to display him well. All so that the works of God can be displayed in many different situations and in many different people because there is someone that needs to see it worked out in your life and in my life. So don't, <clears throat> we mustn't compare ourselves to someone else's story. Don't try to be someone else. Embrace the fact that Jesus has designed you and your story and me and my story just the way he has so that we can display him well. Lord Jesus, thank you. <clears throat> thank you for the truth of John chapter nine, thank you that you corrected the wrong theology of the disciples and corrected the wrong theology of so many of us. Thank you that to walk as you walked 
we display you well. We display the works of the Father through our life, through our situation, through our circumstances, through our journey, through our sorrows and through our joys. And Lord, today may we do that. May we display you well. I pray in Jesus' name.